Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing Dutch Sheets' book, Intercessory Prayer. Last week, we left off talking about God's moral will versus God's providential will. Now, in between recording, you had mentioned middle knowledge. Can you define that for us and kind of just share how that applies to Dutch Sheets' teaching here? Well, yeah, there's various ways that philosophers have tried to solve this issue okay of you know if there is a good holy powerful god as the bible claims and then why is there evil okay and more specifically christians are looking at the clear fact that the bible does teach that god allows and uses evil in some sense okay so the question is why yeah now you mentioned middle knowledge. That's probably the most philosophically sophisticated answer that's arisen. More commonly, people believe in uh, lack of foreknowledge, or called uh, open theism. Okay. I'll talk about both of those. The mo- a local pastor has taught open theism. Yes. And I debated him. And that version says God doesn't know everything that's going to happen. Okay. So in order to solve the apparent problem, they limit God's knowledge, and particularly his foreknowledge. Right. So the reason they do that is if God foreknows everything that'll happen, and God is all-powerful, then somehow he's still implicated because he could have stopped it all. Yeah. So... And the other issue that they know that a lot of Christians don't seem to understand is that if God foreknows all things, including who will be saved, then that implies that whoever will be saved is just as certain as if people choose God or God elects people. All right. You still have the same group. Yes. And... So that doesn't really resolve what they would wish to resolve. So open theism limits God's foreknowledge so that things happen that God didn't know would happen when people made their free will choices. Okay. So that does the Bible teach that? No. <laughs> no. Now, Greg Boyd, who's the person that I debated some long time ago, wrote a book claiming that the different contingencies you can see that would have happened had something else not happened proves God didn't know, but that's easily refuted. Right. Now, middle knowledge is more sophisticated. Okay. There was a Catholic theologian by the name of Molina, and then more uh, recently, William Lane Craig, who is a very brilliant theologian, has written a book called The Only Wise God, which I read when I was in seminary, and he defends mental knowledge. Okay. Now, let me explain that. Yeah. That means that 
uh, people can conceptualize this a little bit more with the advent of computers. So it'd be like the most powerful supercomputer anything anyone can imagine. God is even greater. Okay. So what God did, according to this, is before creating anything, look at all contingencies in which God creates and allows free choice of what of the beings he creates. And with those two parameters, ran all the different possible scenarios. Okay. This one, this one, this one. Every infinite number of things that could happen, creating and allowing free will, and chose to create the one that maximized the number of persons that would be saved. Okay. That's the world we live in. So in other words, based on possible worlds, this is the best possible world that allows for free will and evil, but the the maximum number of people are saved, and it's the best we could hope for. Wow. You know, um, Norm Geisler has also written a similar book that presents that. I didn't know what it was called at the time, but that's basically his... his um... Yeah, he has a book called Chosen But Free. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, and I uh, read that and took notes on every page. Here's the here's the problem. Okay. If I was just so opposed to God's sovereignty and the passages that teach it, which is a lot, the entire Bible, frankly, yeah, that I couldn't possibly accept it, then certainly um, middle knowledge would be um, emotionally helpful. But here's the problem with it. It's philosophy, pure and simple. Okay. It's philosophy. It's not exegesis. Right. Okay. So if you want to be a really, really brilliant philosopher and avoid what the Bible says and just humbling yourself and accept what the Bible says and glorifying God and teaching the Bible for what it does say, that's the way I believe we must do it. Okay. If you can't tolerate that, then there's middle knowledge. It's certainly more, um, I don't even know what to say about it. It's philosophically um, ideal in a way, not total idealism. Okay. Open or the open theism is just flat out wrong. The Bible contradicts it. However, middle knowledge really does deny what the Bible says too. Okay. Because the Bible doesn't, Tell us about middle knowledge. Right. And and it is actually very clear that God is completely sovereign. And so what this does, Dutch sheets, New Apostolic Reformation, Norm Geisler's more benign version, or William Lane Craig, or any of these denials of God's sovereignty that try to account for the data. Here's the problem with these philosophical or highly technical evasions of God's sovereignty that that are, have come out. We do believe in the authority of Scripture. We believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. We believe in the clarity of Scripture. And that God has spoken. He has spoken fully and finally in his Son, 
and that what he says is reasonable and true, and we can believe it and understand it. Right. Okay. So if what's required to understand scripture is a highly sophisticated philosophy that's not taught in scripture, then we have a problem. Okay. And and that we need to be careful of that, not only just in this, but in general. It's really easy to be led away by human philosophy when if we're not making sure that that's what God's word actually says. People can come up with some really clever arguments, but that doesn't make them right. Right. And then the next step, by the way. Okay. Open theism and middle knowledge and you know, pure Arminianism, which means a belief in free will. Okay. Okay. Um, that God doesn't actually elect anybody in particular. Pure Arminianism is... Um, it's got so many deficiencies because the Bible doesn't teach it. Right. It's based on the philosophical assumption that God can only command what man has the ability to do as he is. Right. Was that Finney who taught that? Well, originally it was taught by Pelagius. Okay. And then reaffirmed by Jacob Arminius. And then Finney teaches that in a very strong way with his moral government theory. Okay. Yeah, Finney teaches that. And most Americans that believe it have been influenced by Finney one way or another. Yes. Now, Finney really does uh, no justice to the doctrine of substitutionary atonement and so on. Okay. So I spent a long time. I had most of a decade during the years I was in seminary and then before and after that, reading everything I could about this. Okay. By far, the simplest thing to do is believe the Bible and keep reading and keep learning. Right. The Bible doesn't see the problems that the philosophers see. Yes. And to that end, we have here... Um, Dutch Sheets saying that evil happens because we didn't pray prayer protection. We don't, we're offended if anybody suggests that we should have done this or said that. And then he goes to the very doctrine of the word of faith. If we believe something you don't doubt, it'll happen. Yes. And which we've written about. Let me suggest, and I did last week, we really need to learn the book of Luke and the book of Acts. There's only one Acts. Yes. Okay. And Luke Acts really lays this out. So I was thinking today when I was reading the sheets before we started this and thinking about that article I wrote, issue 113, about providence and promise, the, the, the covers incident after incident in the Bible and how what man meant for evil, God used for good for his people. Okay. You can't deny that. Right. Joseph said it. Peter said it. Many other places it said. And the reason, it says in Romans 8, the reason evangelicals do not like it is because it's only good news for the redeemed. Yes. You mentioned that in your article, too. I um, 
say they object to the fact that the comfort is offered only to the church. Right. They don't like that. Yep. And they want something that's philosophically pleasing to everybody. And somehow Adam's sin and original sin and being dead in Adam uh, needs to have some sort of a potential resolution outside of God regenerating sinners through the gospel. Right. And and it kind of ties into this idea of there's innocent people there. And we kind of mentioned that last week, but right. there are no innocent people. Right. Boyd and others say, well, uh, you can say that, but the kind of really, really bad stuff, gratuitous evil that's so horrible, you can't account for that. Okay. That's what Boyd says. All right. The Bible does account for that. Yes. It's, that's just a naive reading of the Bible. If you think that all the stuff that happened throughout the Old Testament didn't include an awful lot of gratuitous evil as it seems to man. Yes. So the working assumption is God has to do everything he can to try to make it better and save everybody. And it's better to have God failing at what he's trying to do than to allow that God does what he intends to do to save people, but not everybody, um, for his own glory and for our blessing for all eternity. Okay. And that is just so abhorrent to most evangelicals. And frankly, I believe that's the reason so many preachers uh, do not ever preach the whole counsel of God. Skip this, skip that, skip here, skip there. And eventually you can craft this very charming um smooth-sounding, attractive uh, philosophy that has some Bible in it. Okay. That's not what the Bible teaches. Right. And, now, and what we're looking at here in the Dutch Sheets book, that's not what the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach it. Why evade it? Right. I'll tell you where you'll end up if you really go down this road. Emergent did it. Um, Seeker-sensitive is mamby-pamby compared to emergent. Okay. Emergent goes to panentheism, moral and spiritual evolution, no future judgment, and a paradise evolving on earth without future judgment. Right. Now, one of the persons I cited in my book about emergent was a teacher that I heard at seminary. He's now an atheist because some people took that route and said, nuts to this, I'm just going to be an atheist. Okay. That here's what you want to talk about choice. Yes, we have real choices, but wicked sinners alienate, alienated from God, hating the things of God, offended by the cross, don't choose what they hate. Right. God changes us just like he did Saul of Tarsus. Yes. In fact, all the examples where it's really laid out in the Bible are counterexamples. Okay. Abram is a counterexample. Abram wasn't sitting there thinking, you know, I'm sick of this. I think I want a different religion. Okay. Saul of Tarsus was so opposed to Christ, he wasn't being wooed. He was being convicted, and he was angry. Right. 
God got a hold of him. Yeah. All the examples are counterexamples. Okay. And the best they could say is God usually doesn't elect anybody. Oh, right. And and you do hear them say that, or they'll say, well, that was true of the, uh, that was true of the 12, or that was true of some people, but not everyone. But that's not what the Bible's telling us. Right. God in, doesn't say that in Ephesians. I have had, at first, it was very troubling to try to teach this and have so many people say, no, 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 I don't like it. But when I look back at my own experience, I misinterpreted it as me accepting Christ when, in fact, he accepted me. Right. I deserve, and, deserve to be struck dead, right, dead and there. And a, until we know and understand the word of God, we're going to think it happened the way we experienced it, which yeah. is we heard the gospel, we made a decision, we repented. It's natural to start out there, but as we learn and grow and study God's word, we need to believe what it says and put our experiences on, you know, we need to put those aside and believe what God's word says. In Acts, it says, and all who were appointed to eternal life were saved. Yeah, they believed. Now, what? let me explain how this relates to Dutch Sheets. I used to be in a community that was in the shepherding movement. One of the shepherds was Ern Baxter. Okay. Before Lauderdale Five, New Wayne Magazine. And he was one of the, he's associated with the, New Apostolic Reformation back in those days. Okay. And this whole thing, William Branham and all this have written about. But so many different things came along that were the latest new revelation from God about how to solve everybody's problems or heal different people or get the demons to go out or whatever it was. And they flopped. They flopped. They flopped. And we were left with people hurting, confused, no knowing that some left Christianity altogether, didn't know what to do, what to believe. And I had been trained well at North Central Bible College, and I decided to go back to just, I'm going to teach the Bible verse by verse. Right. That started in 1983. Okay. By 1986, I couldn't keep doing that unless I got rid of my idea that man decides what's going to happen. Okay. And what caused me to have to jettison that was the book of Romans. Right. That's you... why I started teaching the book of Romans. And I promised the people, I'm not going to play games with you. I'm not going to tell you the Bible doesn't mean what it obviously says. I'm going to go verse by verse, not going to skip things, and we're going to learn together. Go ahead. And when we got to Romans, I got phone calls. You taught this. I don't like it. Why'd you teach that? I said, do you remember when we agreed we were going to study all the verses? Yes. I think it was in Romans 9 or somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, it says it's not man that wills. Right. I said, okay. Now, we agreed we were going to go through the Bible, and this is the verse I got to. And I taught you what it says here in the context. If it was your job to teach it, what would you teach? I don't know, but I don't like it. Yeah. Dear listeners, are you going to believe what God has given to you for your hope, for your comfort 
to keep you from being abused by peddlers of false hope who, who, who cannot deliver what they claim. And they're going to blame you when you have problems. They're never going to blame their own teaching. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to just cling to that because it seems nicer? Or are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to teach you and me and all of us from his word? The Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures. Yes. God, Holy Spirit is God the Spirit. He cannot lie. Okay. He cannot lie. So let's just read. Now. I mentioned I was going to go to Acts. All right. Let's look at this idea of predestined, because that's the one thing that people really don't like. Yes. Well, let's see if anybody in Acts talked about that. Okay. Start, after the healing of the lame man in Acts 3, after they, he was glorifying God and God did a mighty deed, the religious authorities were threatened, trying to shut the whole thing down. And they didn't tell the apostles, you can't heal any more people. He told them, you can't preach in the name of Jesus. Right. They don't mind blind, lame guys walking around. They just don't want to hear about the name of Jesus. Okay. Okay, now, so here we go, Acts 4.23. Let me read this. And when they had been released, and remember they were called to the authorities, and when they had been released, they went to their own companions, reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them, basically, you can't preach Christ. Okay. Them to heal. Mm -hmm. Acts 4.24, and when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord. By the way, that's a good thing. Yes. In the context of Acts, because we're in the right after Pentecost, and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, well, by the way, quoting scripture, attributing it to the Holy Spirit, who cannot lie, quote, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? Verse 26, Acts 4. And the kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. And then they, they go back to the prayer after citing the scripture. For truly in this city were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel the leaders of the Gentiles, the leaders of Israel, everybody. Yes. Against Messiah. Now okay. Verse 28. Read this. Think about it. Acts 4.28. To do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Wow. Now, Dutch sheets, read all the Bible sometime. Mm -hmm. I don't see him even mentioning that this is here. Right. Why would they pray this and citing scripture, the Holy Spirit, the same context, but one accord, the Holy Spirit poured out on day Pentecost and they prophesied. Yes. 228 is fulfilled. And this is what God's hand and purpose predestined to occur. No one corrects this prayer. It's from God. Right. Okay. So, there was evil done by evil people predestined by God 
for the greater good. There's your answer. Right. This is God's answer. It's for our hope. We're not going to go out there and, oh, you know what? I forgot to pray the right prayer, find out what demon was doing what, and now bad happens, all my fault. Yep. What do you think is more comforting, dear saints? Now let's go on. So after praying that, here's what Peter and the others prayed. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and notice what they pray. And grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak the word of God with boldness. Wow. And if you are a powerful, spirit-filled Christian, you'll speak the truth of Messianic salvation with boldness and not be deterred. Right. And whatever miracles and signs God does, he does according to his will. Yes. They weren't forbidden. Okay. To heal the lame. This is prefigured, by the way, in Luke. There was a lame man, and they tried to get him to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> yeah. And then they said, well, what's who, who who to forgive sins? He said, in order that you may know the Son of Man is authority on earth to forgive sins, arise, take up your bed and walk. The healing is the point of forgiveness of sins, not an end of itself to make life easier. Right. On your way to hell if your sins aren't forgiven. Yep. So I, I, I'm passionate about this because I still have friends who will never believe that God's in charge of his own universe because it offends them. Right. They will not believe it. Yep. And uh, I tell them, you're believing philosophy. You're not believing scripture. Well, no, the Bible teaches free will. Where? Right. Repent and believe the gospel. The mm -hmm. command is valid, whether people obey it or not. Right. Those who do obey do so because of God's grace, not because they have integrity that other descendants of Adam do not have. Yes. Charles Finney is a false teacher and a heretic. Absolutely. And, and we did the thing about all those decrees that they were doing. Yes. Recently. Mm -hmm. Which didn't happen, by the way. Um, Finney's pernicious influence is still harming the United States of America. And I'm sure it's gone around the world as well. We're not the center of the universe. But this moral government theory of the atonement is godless. Yes. We believe in substitutionary atonement, not moral government. All right. You know, that's a whole nother topic we could do someday. Well, but Nobody ever accused us of not laying out the topics as they arise. But yeah, we got to stay on topic here. So to conclude, believe the promises of God. Nothing is more important than forgiveness of sins, redemption, and eternal life. These evasions, like we have with Dutch sheets, they're evasions. Yes. Somebody being sick doesn't prove they failed. Exactly. And why do they have no interest in Christ crucified, blood atonement, forgiveness of sins, 
eternal life and the promise that God will keep us. No interest in it. Right. Um, I someone who came who was in that movement in the past told me, I asked, did what do they talk about these things? And she said that the topic never comes up. Okay. You can go to an NAR church forever and not hear about redemption, atonement, forgiveness of sins. Okay. All right. Well, and so just to kind of give you a little preview of what we're going to talk about next week, the reason we spent two episodes just addressing uh, God's moral will, God's providential will, and God's sovereignty is because Dutch Sheets, in in his book here, who clearly does not believe in any of those things, uses his position then to teach us that we need to uh, pray these prayers of protection and that prayer creates boundaries. And, you know, most of us, uh, if you've been a Christian for not very long, even you've probably heard someone say you need to pray a hedge of protection. That's where he's going with this. We mentioned last week um, the quote for him where he was saying, and I'm just paraphrasing here, that God's protection of Christians isn't automatic. We have to do our part. So we are going to pick back up with that and discuss these prayers of protection next week. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles, at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.